Blog Talk Radio. episodes perhaps ever, truthfully, um, given what I'm flowing with today. Um, I I live in a beautiful area um, in the Pacific Northwest where occasionally we have internet outages, which I happen to have right now. So I am dialed in to you guys directly through a line, and hopefully you can hear me. Um, I did um, talk with our guest who was to be scheduled today, Kate O'Connell, who is the author of Beyond the Imprint. And we, um, she is very much guided, as I am as well, and she felt guided to reschedule. And I said immediately, if that's your guidance, let's go with that. So we will not be bringing Kate in today. However, I will be fully present here for you, and I always thank Blog Talk Radio. I can't even see what kind of promotion is out there, but certainly um, we have done these kinds of spontaneous shows, and they have ended up being surfaced every bit as much with guests. So I am going to be here present with you for the hour um, as this line is connected, and I am going to spontaneously flow with what is on my heart for an entire hour, although I will be looking at the Internet. If it comes up, I will certainly bring up the studio, and then I will be looking for callers or um, whatever comes up there to to talk about. But right now, I do want to say, if you are listening to this show across time, it is of course by now been relabeled as I always do if we have an occasional guest that can't come in for some reason. In this case, Kate is very gracious and could have been here with us today, but we look forward to having her on in the future. Um, and we will relabel this episode based on what actually flows. Um, I want to take this moment to remind you, it's always a good time to remind you of where to find this show, FrontierBeyondFear.com. I really invite you guys to come out there. We are now in the eighth year of broadcasting here on Blog Talk Radio, and 
I encourage those of you who are listening to seriously consider how this show started many years ago, and Blog Talk Radio is still going strong. Um, It is the place for a grassroots show. It has every type of show here, and this show started very spontaneously in 2010 when I simply came on the air and felt led to talk about some things. And so perhaps there's someone out there listening live or across time who is considering starting a show. And if you are, and I do get asked this fairly often, even in the last week I was asked this by a friend, whether you're already a teacher in the spiritual community or whatever Um, might be leading you to share from your heart or if you feel guided to have talks with guests, whatever is guiding you, I really strongly suggest you give it a try because Blog Talk Radio is a wonderful place to do that. And I have felt very well supported here. And that's why today I actually will be speaking. It's very rare for me to do a spontaneous episode for an entire hour. But without being able to get to the switchboard, um, the show will simply sit out there um, by itself um, if I don't continue to flow. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I think today we actually have some things to reflect upon. Um, Something that's been on my heart recently, and I know it's been in the hearts of many people, is we continue to be in a time of quite a bit of divisiveness. And I know that this show goes out throughout the world, and um, and this can certainly occur everywhere, and there are global issues right now of of monumental importance in the sense where we are experiencing that. But for a moment here, I'm going to address what's going on in the United States right now. And I'm going to tell you about what it's like in Oregon. And it's really like this everywhere. And why it's important for us to begin to have a civil discourse with one another. Um, In Oregon, there is, and this may be true of many places, because in many places in the United States, you have your urban centers and you have your rural areas. And perhaps in Oregon, more than most, you see this division more starkly, where the left is very left and the right can be very right. And then here you are in the space of community, which is where we all find ourselves, wherever we are, where no matter where you are, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're a volunteer in your community, whether you are at the school, wherever you go, unless you're living in a box, (laughs) you are going to encounter people with completely different points of view. And it is my feeling that some of the, truthfully, the nastiness that can come across um, in the divisive spirit that is out there, some, and it's tempting for everyone, 
I don't feel that any one of us is immune because we are all um, we are all troubled at times with with our wounded egos, with our imperfections that can lead us to really um, fuel that sense of division. But we need to really find a way to have a dialogue. And we need to begin to understand what it's actually like to live in some of those rural areas, for example, as opposed to an area where you may feel that, you know, you have all the resources available to you that you need. I've been blessed in many ways, and really where I live now is not that far from a city, so I wouldn't consider it highly rural. Um, But I have spent time in highly rural areas. And when you're in those areas, it, it invites a kind of independence and courage that doesn't necessarily that exists in a different way in the city let's put it that way the city certainly invites courage of its own but where you live can really have an influence on your life experience and how you view certain issues and i have been watching this closely with respect for example to the gun control issue, which I know is something that is very troubling for many people as to what to do and how to understand different points of view. And truthfully, it has to do with people and whether they feel safe, how their relationship with fear, that really has a lot to do with this entire issue. And um, my heart just goes out to what's been going on in this country. And we are in a situation which I've always felt will require, truthfully, a miracle um, to get us to the point where we create a truly supportive society where we feel safe. And I think it's helpful to understand an alternative point of view, to really look through their eyes as to what it feels like, you know, to be on your own out in the country, so to speak, especially when you're in a highly rural place. It's a different way of thinking about life than in a city. And cities can be very, Um, require a lot of us too. I mean, many people who are in the country feel unsafe in the city or don't understand, you know, what it's like to be in an urban environment. So if we could just stop for a minute and come to a point of empathy, then we could begin to move forward and find lasting solutions. Because Really, this entire issue is a surface-level issue, as dramatic and impactful as it is. The underlying issue is fear. And the more we look at the things that plague our society, the things that cause us to behave in dysfunctional ways, the more we may begin to realize 
that fear has a lot to do with how we behave and what our approach to the world may be. So I guess I wanted to take a moment just to address that topic in particular because I just feel there has been a disconnect there and we're not talking to one another. We're talking at one another. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about how, well, you know, these people don't really feel that way. It's just a talking point or whatever. That's actually not true. There are really people who feel that they have to take responsibility for their environment out in a rural area. And unfortunately, we live in a country where everything is escalated up a notch. And that's where we've gotten into some difficulty. So how do we de-escalate all of that? Well, we're going to need to trust. And part of it is we're going to have to start trying to understand one another instead of yelling at one another or, you know, just in our own little circles talking about one another derisively. That isn't going to work anymore. We actually need to talk with one another about these issues. And that's true about everything. I came on this show, let's shift to spirituality, and this is true worldwide. I came on this show during the anniversary and said some things that later I thought, you know, this might have come across for some people in my immediate community, people who listen to my show. Um, I, I don't know if they actually do, but I they could very well be listening, who would have felt that this was hurtful, or family members who may have felt that way, who, um, you know, I was talking about my feelings about hell and the concept of hell and propagating the concept of hell. This is a very troubling area for me and for many of us who feel that this concept of only some people being able to escape this very dire and um, truthfully from from my perspective and many people's perspective impossible fate in the hands of a loving divine um, that this is troubling and I think we should be talking about it I think the best thing we could possibly do is be talking about it we should be talking across the divide. I've actually done this in the past where um, I have no problem talking to someone who sincerely believes in, in hell. In fact, I learned a lot um, one day talking to a Catholic friend. This was some time ago because I realized that what they were being taught was actually quite a bit different than the view that I had learned. Um, because the Catholics, and many of you may be Catholic, some of my friends are Catholic, you may be listening, um, you know, wherever you are in the world, you have this concept of purgatory. And I had never really reflected upon that concept, although I should have, because many years ago, I somehow found myself on the air of another show where I had called in, and I was talking to one of the top exorcists in the world. 
and I was just calling in as a caller. I used to do this more in the old days. I don't do it as much anymore. Um, that I rarely call into a show anymore. But that was exactly what he said, which was really interesting, even with respect to fallen angels as he viewed fallen angels. And this all this may all seem very eclectic and very far afield from what this show was supposed to be about today. And again, if you have tuned in to listen to the topic of the show today, we will have Kate O'Connell on in the future. I have talked with her and we will be rescheduling. Um, and so I am free-flowing because I'm looking at my internet here. It's still down. So I am just going to spontaneously discuss some things that are on my heart. Um, And so I think what I'm trying to get at here is we need to have the dialogues. We need to understand what is going on in the hearts, in the heads, And there can be a big difference between both and a huge divide between one's head and one's heart. But what is it? What is it? What is the crux of these issues that go very, very deep and divide us so? Because maybe if we started to talk across the divides, those divides wouldn't seem quite so wide Many years ago, I had the privilege, and it was truly a privilege, to participate in a discussion forum that Oprah created. And truthfully, that's what led to this program, because it was towards the end of that time when that forum was essentially starting to end. And in those days, discussion forums used to be very popular And now, you know, over the years, certainly back then, that was some years ago, we're talking almost 10 years and onwards from there, um, they were very popular, and then they waned. But what was important about that experience was that we had people, and these people I still have as Facebook friends, some of them, and perhaps even a couple are listening today or in the future, We talked about our differences. Not only did we talk about our differences, we talked endlessly, seemingly, about our differences. It required tremendous patience, but yet we were passionate about talking with one another about these things. And this doesn't seem to happen as often anymore. And I have said it many times that this show, ultimately, if it were following its original charter, which I keep aiming it back, it takes courage to do this. This show has the opportunity to at least at times be that kind of a forum where there can be real discussions. Because only when you're really talking with one another do you begin to shift. And you begin to have an understanding of some things. And you begin to see, like I 
I, I'm thinking about, and my heart goes out to what happened in Texas, um, you begin to look at that and say, you know, out in that little town and in many little towns in America or in places that are far from any town, people can feel very exposed. And it shifts their point of view. And that's just a simple example. But if we're ever going to get to the the crux of that issue, and that issue requires a tremendous healing as a society, there are no easy answers. This show today, for example, was going to be talking about alternative and expansive approaches to mental health. And that's often raised as an issue, but that is fraught with questions, too, as to how how do you determine, you know, where do you draw the line, you know, and it, what if, you know, is it a, if, if you have someone in the family or if you, you know, what is it? You know, so many people have suffered from depression. And truthfully, the ultimate solution here is to shift as a society completely and it's going to take some time so that we are building a safer world where people feel that their needs are being truly supported that is the ultimate solution to these problems and in many ways in the United States I don't know that we'll really solve this particular issue until we build a society where people feel valued and supported and with the right kind of support because there are many types of support that can be driven by corporate and financial interests and other things that are not direct support. And so when we get to the point in our society where people feel that they have that safety net, where they have that kind of support, that's when people will release the need to resort to any kind of protective or violent behavior. We really have core fundamental issues here that you can't skirt around. And this is true in the entire world. We sit in a world right now which it seems amazing to me, having grown up when I did, under the threat of nuclear war, and this has come up on recent programs here too, that we would be facing that again. You know, it never really went away, and yet it's more present again in the world. And it's a more pressing matter again in the world. And that there cannot be any more serious issues than that because... It's well, we may have a couple of competitors, but there are some very serious issues in this world. No one can deny it. So, what do we do? How do we resolve these things? For one, we need to get to the point where we are truly observing the nature of reality in our world, where we are truly courageous enough to begin to see that there's just more to this fundamental reality than meets the eye. And so many people can attest to this, and it goes beyond belief. 
If you have experienced a meaningful coincidence, if you have experienced synchronicity, if you have experienced transcendent love, then you know what I'm talking about. This world is more than the fundamental mechanistic universe that we've been told that it is. And we used to know this, more of us, and more of us are coming to know it again. I'll just keep flowing here. Check my internet because I'm being led to discuss some... Ah, the internet is up. So I am going to bring that up while I'm talking so that I can at least be monitoring the show here. But while I'm talking, I'm going to actually do two things at once while I'm bringing it up. Um, Stephen Hawking. Let's talk about Stephen Hawking. I saw that he gave a talk yesterday somewhere at a big web conference that's going on, and it was a very frightening scenario that he posed. I haven't actually seen all the details. I saw just the highlights, and lately he's been posing a lot of frightening scenarios. Okay, it's trying to connect. It looks like it's starting to come up, so we'll see what's going on here. Um, He said, basically, that Earth is going to become a fireball within 600 years, I believe, was one thing he said, and then apparently he said something up, it's down again. Not quite up yet. It's trying to come up. almost came up. And then the other thing he said had to do with artificial intelligence and what a dire future that could be. And I am going to go ahead and reiterate. I will tell you, I had a miraculous synchronicity one day where I used to work. I occasionally would travel. Many years ago when I was an engineer, I lived off-site, and I would travel back to the home office, which was here in Oregon, And one day, when I traveled back to the home office, I was running late for lunch. And we had a cafeteria where I would go for lunch. And I was working as an engineer. I was a telecommuting engineer at that time. I had a very unusual and auspicious position back then that was very supportive of my um, wanting to, ah, there it is, of being a mother um, because I cared about being at home, and also I found myself out of state, away from my workplace, and it just, okay, try to get this up here while we talk. Um, it looks like they have a new um, new interface. That's kind of cool. It looks a little different. Anyway, they keep enhancing things at Blog Talk Radio, so let's see. Ah, it's a little bit up and down still. So anyway, I'll just keep flowing with this. My synchronicity one day. I was running late for lunch, and so here I go to the cafeteria at the very end of the lunch hour. And where I used to work, um, they were building technology that was on the absolute leading edge. Um, It is what was making computers faster and faster and faster and smaller and smaller and smaller, the chips. And where I worked enabled a lot of that technology and no doubt, you know, in some ways has led to, to the advent of artificial intelligence, although, you know, only by supporting that in a hardware kind of a way. And 
so it wouldn't have been too unusual, although I would say pretty unusual. This was not a normal everyday occurrence, what occurred, and the fact that it would happen when it happened was pretty amazing. But here I was eating lunch late, all by myself, by the window, in the cafeteria where I used to work. And I was sitting there finishing, and in comes some kids in wheelchairs um, with their parents. And lo and behold, here along comes Stephen Hawking. And he had apparently a very large appearance in the Portland area that night, but he had been scheduled to talk to some kids who were experiencing physical challenges like he had. And he had no more than, oh gosh, maybe 20 20 kids with their parents gathered around him as he talked with them. And what a heart-based, wonderful thing to do. And so I somehow feel a connection. And it was just so amazing. I didn't leave. I know we weren't necessarily supposed to be there. The employees hadn't been invited, but I was eating lunch, and I just kind of sat there like a fly on the wall by the by the window far off to the corner as I observed what was happening. And I'm not even sure I stayed to the end because I kind of respected the the sanctity of that moment, but I still stayed while I was eating my lunch, and then observed and it was a pretty amazing thing and what I see now is it's very easy if you believe in the materialistic view of the universe to be afraid there are many reasons why we would be afraid right now and yet if we begin to really look Really look. This is what I would love to see. Somebody, there are ways of observing things. We have the technology to truly observe a little bit more about the synchronicities that are around us. And if we could do this, because these are not belief. I know that materialists always want to say, that's your belief. No, no. This is our observational reality. We have seen things that are statistically impossible. Now, was it statistically impossible that I should wander into a room that Stephen Hawking appeared? Well, I'm not sure I would list that as one of my... I mean, it's pretty unusual, I'll tell you that, but I don't have any real link to Stephen Hawking. And yet we've all had experiences where it was something much more personal, much more relevant, much more real, that was specifically relevant to whatever was on our path, that just the right person showed up at just the right time. I listed a really simple example recently. Having moved, um, I moved to an older home, which I'm really enjoying in a semi-rural setting, which may be, I don't know why the Internet's down today, and it's coming on and off. And um, it is raining. It's a little bit stormy out. Not too bad. But whatever the reason, um, we're flowing with it anyway. Um, It turned out I was going to buy a new washer and dryer one day. I was looking at the sale. It was actually, I think it was um, Columbus Day. Yes, that's right. That was the last time I spontaneously reflected right around then, although... 
Um, that's a whole other topic as to whether people really observe that right now. But leaving that aside, there was a sale that day, and I was prepared to buy a very inexpensive washer and dryer. And I was reflecting on this as I was walking, and here I was on my walk on a path out in nature, and I get a phone call from somebody who said, "Do you need a wash? Hey, do you need a washer and dryer? Somebody who maybe remotely may have thought I could have needed one because they knew I had moved, but I'd moved some time ago. I actually went without the washer and dryer for quite a while." Um, because I'm pretty resourceful and know that you can wash things by hand, and I was fully prepared to go to a laundromat until I found the right washer and dryer. Well, to make a long story short, at the perfect time when I needed to hear it, I get a random phone call, semi-random, let's put it that way, semi, because this person knew that I had moved so, and that I might need one. But the fact that they were ready to release one... Um, it just happened. Then it turns out, because I live in an older home, if I had gotten a new washer and dryer, that would have posed some electrical challenges that were much more complicated. And I had heard that, you know, if you have to hire an electrician to do that, it's, you know, it's much more expensive. Turns out I actually needed a used dryer in particular. And that's exactly what came my way. And I didn't even know it. One would have thought Here's a lesson here. I want you to reflect upon this. I thought a new washer and dryer would be better. But guess what? It's not what I actually needed. I needed, in particular, an older dryer because then it could easily connect. So how many times, in fact, that, I'm just going to keep flowing because I am going to keep this show active. I can't see in the flashes of the Internet coming up. Aha, it's up again. I'm going to go check. Um, I know that Blog Talk Radio often features this program. It's a featured episode, and I honor that. And so as long as the show is up, because just calling in on the phone, I have no control over how long it goes. I can't end the show. If I were to hang up, it would just sit out there. Um, I'm going to hold the line and talk as long as the show is scheduled. Okay, it's still not coming quite up. It's trying to come up. thinks it's coming up. Not quite yet. So it'll come up when it's ready. So I'm just going to flow with it. How do we know what we really need? How do we know? Somehow, there was a synchronicity, and it was a multi-tiered synchronicity over something very simple. And when you start to see this sort of thing happening more and more, it's not just belief. It's not just belief. It is living in the flow. It is living in a way that is just not what we were taught to expect unless you were trained in some kind of spiritual discipline, and many people were. But if you're thinking, as many of our scientists are taught to think, they don't expect it. And that's a problem, because that is not open-minded. Stephen Hawking has a very dark view 
of where we're headed because his reality somehow has not included openness to the transcendent, openness to quantum reality. I haven't researched how he views quantum physics. I don't claim to be an expert in quantum physics. In fact, today, I'll repeat again, if you're looking for Kate O'Connell, who takes a new approach to counseling based on an understanding of quantum physics, if you're looking for that, she'll be coming up on a future show. And she was very wise. She told me she was guided to do this another time when we realized we couldn't connect right away. And that was very wise because we we wouldn't have been able to bring her call in easily. So um, as it turns out, that was the right way to go. And we'll just trust that my flowing spontaneously, and if you see this episode across time, it'll be labeled however we end up labeling it, we being me. Um, But in any case, let's talk about our expectations. I will tell you, and this does kind of defy, in fact, it does defy some understandings that we have, even in the metaphysical community, because there is a mystery as to when we open up to the miraculous. There is a mystery there, because it does arrive when you don't expect it. I have seen that. As much as it flows when you expect it, it can introduce itself and actually needs to when we don't. Or maybe, just maybe, we believe just enough. Maybe there's a part of ourselves that keeps saying, What is that? What if? as a scientist, and maybe that's enough to open the door. We all experience that. We were all children. Children all are open to a broader way of seeing the world. And we shut that down. And why do we shut that down? Because of belief, which is the irony of all ironies because of belief that that can't possibly be possible. The irony is that when you open yourself up to synchronicity, it happens. And it also happens when there's just a little crack in the door to help you to see. And that's been the experience of many an awakening soul. So Stephen Hawking and others like him, um, Carl Sagan, who was a very expansive soul, didn't believe in the afterlife. And yet, you know, we've had people on this show. David Bennett is a perfect example. I need to have him on again. But if you're looking for episodes to listen to, listen to the episode, especially the first episode I did with David Bennett. He wasn't looking to die. He drowned. He was a ship's captain who didn't believe in anything. Daniel Brinkley's another one. He's been on this show. He didn't believe in anything. He got struck by lightning. 
Now, see, that's a dramatic intervention when that occurs. But these people have real stories to tell and impossible confirmations that aren't just the result of a brain that is dying. That's for people who are afraid. Why are we afraid of the afterlife? This is going to bring me full circle. I'm going to just keep flowing with this. Why are we afraid of the afterlife? Well, a lot of people are afraid of the afterlife because deep down in some childhood place long ago, they were taught something about the afterlife that was scary. That's one of the reasons. The other reason, and this is the deeper reason, truthfully, many an atheist has been born reflecting upon the nature of this earth and how it could be, how it could be because of the harsh things that happen here. This is the hardest question in the entire, well, I don't know about the entire universe. I'm not over in another part of the universe right now. I'm on planet Earth. But one of the hardest questions on planet Earth, and starting to glimpse into this was a part of my own awakening, is why? Why did these things happen? Why do horrible things happen like happened in Texas? Why are there mentally ill at all? Why why are we in a reality where, you know, people can suffer from from severe things like that? Um, near where I grew up in Colorado, there was an incident recently. And, you know, that is not a simple thing to observe either because there are a lot of complexities going on there. We don't know. We have introduced so many medications now. There is evidence out there that these things, and it's not anything fringe, you just look. For some segment of the population, there are bad side effects. And we need to be looking at that because that is not a panacea if that's what's happening. And if you look at the history, I will come full circle back to also what this show is going to be about. I don't know if Kate, if I had Kate here, I would ask her. But I know that if you research the history, for example, of psychology, there was a battle for a time between those who wanted to view it as merely a disease of the body versus those who saw very real results for things that you were told you could never see a good result with through talk therapy. And we need to be honest when we address those things. And we're not honest as a society because what happens, the corporate interest gets involved and there are a lot of money makers in there. We need to really be looking at what these side effects are and what they're doing because even if they only happen in a small segment of the population, that's too much. And we need to be looking at that. We need to be looking at ways of working with people that are empathic, that don't impair them because we haven't solved this problem yet. We think that we've solved it. People claim to have solved it, but no, it has not been solved. And we need to look back at the history of what really works when we, when we had that crossroads where people passionately felt that talking with people, actually working with them day after day after day, actually changed them. We've been told by the materialists that that doesn't work. And then there's so many things we don't understand. I mean, all of spirituality 
is questioned. And that's by people who simply don't have the right to impose their reality on the spiritual. That's a different thing altogether. But it is true. Those who know about shamanic experiences or dramatic kundalini awakenings, that whole area requires the kind of assistance that responds to that kind of experience. And it's a totally different kind of experience. And truthfully, the mental health um, community is beginning to recognize that too as a legitimate area where people do have dramatic spiritual awakenings. And we've had, um, many of us have experienced awakenings, and we've had people on this show who have talked about that. Catherine Lucas is one. Oh, the Internet is still down, so I have 15 more minutes, and I'm just going to keep flowing here. I'm looking at a horse across the way that is very calmly grazing on the grasses. You know, how many times do we forget that sometimes the real healing that can come to people, we don't believe in healing anymore. Too many segments of the population don't are being taught that more natural pathways to healing are impossible. And yet there is evidence to show that healing comes to people in many ways. And there have been some pretty dramatic things that many people have witnessed. I know personally, I have people, I more and more the longer that I live, the more that I have witnessed impossible things in the realm of healing impossible synchronicities and I talked about this on another show how my whole family became much more spiritual because of a particular family member who spontaneously got up when she had polio as a child how do you explain it some people will say well that was just you know a rare a rare fluke or something like that or people who We all know people who have spontaneously recovered from cancer. I had a friend who had a very advanced form of cancer and actually was dying, um, spinal cancer, and she literally got up and lived. Um, Her kids were around her, and somehow she just recovered. There was no explanation. Many of us have seen things disappear that supposedly were supposed to be there. I mean, one wonders, and this would be an example of a computer study that would be worthwhile, and perhaps I'm repeating myself from a previous show. Why aren't we studying these things? Why aren't we correlating, for example, since we have this Internet that collects so much information on everyone, why are we not correlating people claiming to have had a miraculous experience with the actual medical records of them having that experience. Did a family member go home? Did Was there a spontaneous recovery? Why aren't we studying this? Because we're afraid to study it, because we don't want to believe that there is a God, because we don't want to believe that there could possibly be a greater reality in a world that is fraught with so much peril. That introduces our greatest fear 
that how could you have the divine in a world where these things happen? Do you want to know how that can happen? Many of people, many people have been taught this on a conservative path in a different way. It has to do with choice. What if? What if? And many of us have studied evidence, by the way, of reincarnation, which is another area that you actually could study by computer. We have facial recognition software now, and there is evidence. Walter Semke, who I have interacted with, has surfaced many cases of not only life parallels, but facial parallels in cases of a parent, and one could say he presents very powerful evidence, reincarnation. There have been many cases like this. One of the things that was on my path to awakening when I wasn't even looking for it, I really wasn't into reincarnation, truthfully. I was a little bit curious about it, but I was not into it. When I stumbled upon a rather, to me, obscure circle of artists, and actually a very obscure person to me, to some people she's not as obscure, but she's really pretty obscure, unless you're really into art. I stumbled upon something like this some years ago when I really wasn't looking, and that's how I started talking to some of the reincarnation people long ago. And I've sort of let it go, and it's something I need to pick up again, because the thing is, if this really is happening, if there really is some evidence of people having similar lives over time, and the Internet is so powerful now that you don't have to be Um, someone very well known to actually be on the internet a lot of times if you're just within a circle with people that are known you show up in some way there are a lot of pictures and lives reflected in history on the internet that are not things that are commonly known by everyone we can and what about all the ancestry records it would be very interesting to study why are we not studying it because we're afraid because we don't want to know. For some reason, we don't want to know that there's a greater reality. Why don't we want to know? Because we're afraid of it. Because it would be frightening. Because it would mean that all this awful stuff is going on here on this earth, and you mean to tell me there is evidence of a God. That's what it would mean. Some people would say, okay, That must mean that the end times is true, hell is true, heaven is true, the whole nine yards. No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Let's look at it expansively. What do we really see evidence of? But one thing that is common among belief systems is this notion of choice. What if I started this a minute ago? What if we came here because we chose to? What if we came here because we chose to have an experience that would grow us? I mean, we may be just, I'm not saying we're the the brightest, (laughs) I say this facetiously, but really, I mean, it took a lot of courage to do something like this. And you say to yourself, why would you do such a thing? Well, it was creating a place of choice is what it was. And when you create a place of choice, a lot of things happen. And that was part of it. And so the real question then becomes, 
can we awaken? Can we awaken beyond our fears? What is the frontier beyond fear truthfully all about? What is it about? Does fear not have a purpose? Well, we've explored that. Yes, it does have a purpose sometimes. Fear can be a catalyst. And yet, we do know that the more we find that space of peace, the more we're able to release our fears or really quiet them or live despite our fears. I wish I could answer the ultimate question completely. I question what some would call our higher self. I do believe, I do believe we choose before we come here to have an experience. If you're a materialist, you might think we're playing a video game out here (laughs) or some equivalent, you know? Stephen Hawking might even start to agree. I think I might have even read he studied that too. I I can't say that for sure, but I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere, that there's some possibility. And you know what? That's a really convenient way of looking at it, and we can't completely rule it out, that there isn't some higher intelligence beyond this that has created this reality. And when you see things that don't seem to match our expectation of what reality should be, well, maybe because it's because the reality is artificially created. But then you begin to ask, well, what is artificial? What is reality? What is a game? What is life? What is experience? I don't like that term game. But you know, these video games nowadays are very realistic. They are beyond what we would have called a game when I was growing up. Although we did have such things as adventure games and um, people played Dungeons and Dragons and things that were somewhat elaborate. But the thing is, is maybe the word experience is more accurate. We're having an experience here, and it involves free choice. And where I question, where I question, and this is a tough one, is where many philosophers have questioned, is the harshness of survival conditions. And that goes beyond humanity. You don't even have to have human beings in the mix to look at that, the harshness of survival conditions. Does that need to exist anywhere? And that's a really good question. That's why these are hard questions to answer. But when you start to see that there is more to life, that there are things that just don't fit. They don't fit that dark future that Stephen Hawking sees. Or maybe they do in some ways, but there are ways to transcend it. They just don't fit these unusual things that happen, even when they're as simple as a phone call about a washer and dryer. Even when it's as simple as somebody calling you because you were thinking of them and then they called. We've all had these things happen to us. And it's easy to say, well, 
It's just a coincidence. But if it happens enough, and the more you observe it, if it happens with a certain kind of intricacy, then you begin to really ask the questions that you need to ask, the questions that will lead to an awakening. What does this have to do with talking to one another? Well, some of you may be listening live, assuming this is still going out. I think it is. You may be of a totally different belief system than me. You may say, well, I've got the answer for you, Susan, and that answer is, well, there's a devil. That's why those things happen. That's not an easy answer, folks. I know that's easy for some people to say, but then you got to look into, well, then how did that happen? Why would there be such a being? What does that have to do with a loving God, and how could that exist? And why would, well, we're too close to the end of the program to even get into that. But where do we meet in our discussion. Where do we meet? Well, I'll tell you one place we meet. There are a lot of us who who see and have observed evidence. It's not just belief. It's not just seeing a glimpse. It's not just an illusion, an imagination, a delusion. It's none of that. Who are seeing patterns in reality that reveal that there's simply more to it that meets the eye. Talk to people who have studied reincarnation. I mean, you can have a different theory about why there are these odd patterns of people looking like people across time and not just one person, circles of people who resemble people and have similar life patterns or they have odd reversals. You can look at that and say that's all a coincidence. You're just looking for it and so that's why you see it. But if you're really interested in learning the truth, if you're really interested, true scientists are open to the nature of reality. That's what science is. Truly spiritual people are open to the nature of reality. That's what spirituality is. Ah, I see that it's been continuing since I've just been told there's 90 seconds left to the show and somehow I've managed to flow for an hour. And that was for the benefit of those of you live and because I'm thankful to Blog Talk Radio. Even when the Internet goes down, I honor the scheduling of this show and how Blog Talk Radio has featured it. And I appreciate that. So I've been here today simply flowing. I would invite you, and I don't know if this show could just go down at the very end, so I better hurry up. I've got less than a minute. I invite you to open up. Open up to your reality. Open up to your neighbors. Find a way to connect in a way that you never have before. It's important because we are here to help one another. We are not divided. We are part of a beautiful whole. 
and we can help one another to understand. If the show goes down, go to FrontierBeyondFear.com. That's where you can find more about it. I'll flow a little bit past just in case. There will be no music today. But if I can leave you with one thing, it's simply to open up. We are not as divided as we think we are. And those of us who believe, I use that word belief, those of us who have observed that there is more to reality that meets the eye than what we're told, those of us who have the courage to explore that know that we have something to talk to each other about. Even if we're on completely different paths, or so it may seem, we share something important. We share an openness to reality to exploring what it truly is. And yes, you may impose belief upon it. We all do, to some degree. What do we really share? Unconditional love. Were you taught that God is love? Do you not believe in God and just believe in love? Do you believe in caring and loving one another, no matter what. Well, that's unconditional love. And to that, we are called. Because we are inseparable. There is a show scheduled on Friday at noon Pacific. I actually can't see it right now and so I don't even have the book in front of me. I know that we're going to be talking about a book about the heart and I invite you to listen. There's another show Monday um, and I invite you to that show as well. We have a couple shows next week. This show continues and hopefully the internet will stabilize a bit. I have an idea of what to do um, in the future, if I'm very glad to see how this is working so well, just with the phone. And that's a wonderful lesson in itself. So thank you, everyone, for being here. If you ever find yourself without the Internet, this is a teleconference, by the way. I can't pick up your call if I don't have Internet, but Blog Talk Radio does. And that call, that line, by the way, is 310 Make a note of that because this is a teleconference and you can dial in at any time to listen when it's live. And if you'd like to know when shows are coming up, follow the show. Or come over to the Facebook page. I'd love to have more of you over there. Or Twitter where I know many of you already are. You can find the links to all of these things at FrontierBeyondFear.com. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for believing in this show. It's appreciated more than you know by many of us. And I know that these shows across time are making a difference because their intent is to really have a true conversation. 
whether there's a guest here or not, but when there is a guest, we're here to have a real conversation and to explore. We're explorers. Take care, everyone. I'll see you next time.